This is Amy Boris with CII Staff, and I'm speaking with CII Executive Director Ken Birch about the Financial Choice Act. The House Financial Services Committee passed the Financial Choice Act, which is legislation that would roll back many aspects of the U.S. financial regulatory system. In particular, it would loosen safeguards put in place after the 2001 Enron scandal and the 2008 financial crisis to protect investors, American savers, and the capital markets. The Choice Act runs to nearly 600 pages and covers dozens of topics from bank bailouts to the Volcker Rule. But CII is primarily concerned with sections that address shareholder rights and corporate governance. Can CII and many members are especially alarmed about provisions of the Choice Act that would make it much tougher to file a shareholder proposal? This is pretty arcane stuff for Congress to be dabbling in. Where did the idea for revamping the shareholder proposal process come from, and what specifically would change? So the idea on the shareholder proposal has been promoted heavily by the Business Roundtable, uh, which is an association of larger companies' CEOs, uh, and that really seems to be the prime movers. CEOs, I think, dislike shareholder proposals, have historically, and I think that continues to be the case, in part because shareholder proposals challenge them, suggest alternate policies, fairly regularly cover executive compensation, other matters that the CEOs don't necessarily want addressed. The bill would require a shareholder who wants to put a proposal on a company's annual meeting meeting ballot to own at least 1% of stock for three years. The current threshold is $2,000 worth of stock. So for example, at Wells Fargo, that would go up from $2,000 to $2.6 billion. It's a big jump. So is that the main reason why CII and investors are up in arms about the proposed changes? Yes. uh, Quite simply, the Choice Act would shut down shareholder proposals. Small investors certainly could not file proposals with such high ownership hurdles. And even our largest pension fund members rarely hold 1% of the stock. For most companies, the only folks who would be eligible to submit shareholder proposals would be large mainstream asset managers that have never submitted such a proposal. That is troubling because shareholder proposals are an essential tool for investors to express views to management and especially to boards on major governance and other issues. A vast majority of these are strictly advisory. Even if they pass, boards can choose whether to act on them. Shareholder proposals have encouraged many companies to adopt enhanced governance policies that today we view as best practice. For example, electing directors by majority vote, a radical idea a decade ago when shareholders started pressing for it in shareholder proposals. It's now the norm at 90% of large-cap U.S. companies. The number of shareholder proposals, by the way, has not climbed significantly. There is some noise out there that that there's an onslaught of them. That's just not true. In recent years, the number has vacillated from a high of 1,100 and some in 2009 to a low of just under 700 in 2011. The only thing that has changed is that support for shareholder proposals has grown and represents a significant proportion of investors, not just special interests. In 2016, more than 60% of proposals that came to a vote received at least 25% support. That's double the level in 2000. Well, the shareholder proposal rule is not the only place where the Choice Act seeks to micromanage the SEC. The bill would also prohibit the SEC from finalizing a rule to allow universal proxy cards in contested elections for board seats. Why do shareholders need universal proxy cards? So it's actually pretty simple. Universal proxy cards permit holders voting by proxy to vote for exactly the mix of candidates they prefer in a contested election. Right now, shareholders voting by proxy generally must cast a straight party ticket, like all Democrats, all Republicans, that is, voting on either the management or dissident card for that slate. If you travel to the meeting, you can cast a split ballot, but that simply is not cost-effective but all but the very largest holders. 
Retail shareholders and small and mid-sized institutional investors should not be disenfranchised from casting their votes for who they prefer. The SEC has really put forward a very well-considered proposal, and the Choice Act seeks to block the SEC from moving forward. I think this is really knee-jerk politics. The only motivation for this that I can understand is to frustrate investors. The SEC provision will favor neither dissidents nor incumbents in any systematic way, so it's not clear why parts of the business community are opposing it. Advisory shareholder votes on executive compensation, say on pay votes, have become a standard feature of annual meetings in recent years, but the Choice Act would all but eliminate the Dodd-Frank Act requirement to hold say on pay votes, wouldn't it? Well, it's a good question. The bill provides that say on pay votes would be required only if there are ill-defined, quote, material changes in compensation. It's not really at all clear exactly how that would play out. Board payout decisions every year in and of themselves are material. Clearly, incentives for top executives matter and are material to how the company performs. But the language does seem to be intended to eliminate most say-on-pay votes. And it's actually not even clear how it differs from the present requirements around shareholder approval for bonus plans to tax exemption. So it does at best seem to push say-on-pay to be a mechanical exercise largely devoid of meaning. So what's at stake for investors and for companies if say-on-pay votes are no longer required on a regular basis? So say-on-pay has proven to be a very useful tool for the collective voice of shareholders to be heard on executive pay. And I'd emphasize the collective voice is different from one-on-one shareholder engagement with companies. Say-on-pay has led to much more vigorous and effective engagement between shareholders and boards, and that may be at risk. But just as likely, should companies actually eliminate SAM pay votes, the focus will shift to voting on compensation committee members who are likely to see much greater opposition than in recent years. I don't see the focus on executive pay going away. CII has sent multiple letters to the House Financial Services Committee outlining our concerns about the Choice Act. What other steps is CII taking to protect sensible investor safeguards in financial regulation? And what specifically can CII members do on their own? So meetings, calls, letters with lawmakers and top aides detailing concerns about most troubling provisions, that's important. It's important for members of Congress and their staff members to hear directly from folks in their states, which CIA is not. We play a useful role in articulating issues, but the pressure is felt much more directly when it comes from local folks. Members can, say, write and call the House representative and the chair and the ranking member of the Financial Services Committee. If you're in an urban area, and particularly if you're an institutional investor and you've got employees from various parts of the area, you can address members of Congress from your area or from your state generally. CII has created a member toolkit to make this all easy. It's on our website's Fair Financial Rules page. You can access that from Issues and Advocacy tab on our homepage and, and gives you a guide, including a directory of staff members. Also, CII is circulating a letter for members to co-sign. We aim to deliver that to the House leaders before the full House votes on the Financial Choice Act. When will the full House vote on the Choice Act? So that's really hard to say. There could be some delay. There's some rumors that the votes just aren't there yet, but it could happen as early as May 16th. So the fact is that Congress has been fairly unpredictable this year. Maybe that's always true, but we want to get the message in uh, pretty quickly. Thanks, Ken. Well, members can find more information on CII's website about the Financial Choice Act and CII's positions on many of the bill's provisions dealing with shareholder rights and corporate governance and other issues. Our comment letters on the bill are posted on the correspondence page of our website, which you can get to from our homepage with one click. Talking points on many of the issues the letter highlights are found also on the Fair Financial Rules page. Thank you. Thank you.